Well, last week we started a two-part series on Joshua, and we've looked at Joshua uh, bringing the children of Israel into the the promised land, And, and I think that's what God wants us. He wants to take us into all the blessings that He has for us. Uh, He has a purpose, He has a future for each one of us um, if we will learn to step into it uh, and to take hold of it, and not only that, but to hold on to it. And and so we've been looking at uh, these bookends of Joshua, the beginning and the end. Last week, of course, we looked at the beginning, and we were in Joshua chapter 1, the beginning of this receiving of the promise. And we looked at these three principles that God showed us in chapter 1 and that, first of all, to to receive the promise of God, you've got to receive the challenge. There's no promise that doesn't come without a challenge. Uh, Living this life of following Jesus is not going to be easy. Um, There are going to be challenges. In fact, there has to be challenges because it's the challenges that strengthen us. It's the challenges uh, that train us up. And, And so... They had to receive the challenges, whether sometimes the challenges are challenges of inconvenience, and sometimes the challenges are challenges of overwhelming uh, enemies. Sometimes the challenge is just the unknown, and God is waiting for us to step into that. Are you willing to step in to the unknown, into the inconvenience, into the overwhelming situation that you think you cannot handle, but are you willing to receive the challenge with God as our leader? The second thing was you need to remember the promise. You don't go into the challenge on your own. And so if we're going to receive the promise, we need to remember that there's a God who does promise us. And remember, his promises were the promise of his presence, the promise of his power, and the promise of his permanence. Um, He said that his power will go before us, that no one will be able to stand against us, but that we will have the power of God with us. Now, it doesn't mean that we get everything we want, but it means we can go through the fiery furnace. We can go into the lion's den. We can go into whatever God puts us in and know that he is with us. And not only that, it is a personal promise that it is his presence that he is with us. Um, it, it It is one that God does not promise just the church in general, but he knows you individually. That each one of you has a personal interest in God's heart and and his presence is there. And then it is also permanent. It says that he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. But not only do we remember the promise, but we need to respect the pathway. God says there's a promise, but there's a way to get the promises. You need to follow the pathway that he has laid out before us. He said if you will follow my heart and my nature and my character and begin to seek after uh, the things that I've given you, the principles that I've laid out. This is how you are to live. And if you will live by my principles and if you will follow my commands and if you will seek my way, if you will respect the pathway, that pathway will lead to great futures. Now, it goes through valleys and it goes through storms, but the path ends where you want to be. See, there's a lot of easy pathways that we want to follow that, are, that are, seem sweet, man. These pathways have tons of sun, but their end, it says a lot of people go the way they want to go, but their end is in death and destruction and regret and sorrow. So we need to start looking at the end of our pathway, not the current circumstance of our pathway. And if we will do these three things, you're on the right start. That is the beginning of receiving all that God has for us. 
So that was the beginning that the book of Joshua opened up with. But now today, we are going to look at the end. Because once we receive all that God has, you know what? The saddest thing is for someone to receive everything that God has, but just let it slip through his hands and not respect it and not value it, but go to other things. Some of the, 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 the saddest stories in the Bible are those that, that could have had great things. I think of Esau, and yet it said that he did not respect the blessing he didn't see it as something that he wanted. He was more concerned with his hunger. You know, when he was tired and hungry, I just want now. What, who cares about what the future is if I die now? Because he had the wrong uh, 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 value on it. And how sad is that? You think of Samson, who had everything. God had given him strength to where he could overcome whatever he faced. And yet, it wasn't his beginning. His beginning was great. He had the anointing of God upon him. But what did he do? He, he didn't value that. He, you know, it was, it was the ladies were more important. And the prestige was more important. And, and he threw it away. So it's not just about the beginning and getting the promises and having great experiences with God. Some of us have had great experiences with God. But you know what? Those have been in the past. But it's the end. How are we going to end? How are we going to hold? I don't want to gain it. I want to hold on to it. You see, it was one thing to go into the promised land. The other thing was to hold on to the promised land. And, and so at the end, Joshua says, we have now received all that God has. But here's what's more important. What are you going to do with it? And so at the end of his ministry, we come to chapter 24 at the end of the book. And this is what he says in verse 14. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Again, there are three quick things, and I'm just going to go through these pretty quick principles on holding on to the promises of God. How do you keep what God has given you so that your end is as good as your beginning? So that your story is not a sad story that someone looks at your life and says, man, they were great, they went to church, they grew up in church as kids, but now that they're adults, man, phew, they've lost it all. Let's not have that be our story. Let's not have our life be the ending one of regret when we had so much potential and promise. So Joshua gives them these three things. He says, first of all, he says, now therefore, here's the first one, now therefore, that therefore is saying, because of what I just told you. So the first principle is what I just told you. Now, if you go back at the beginning, uh, all the way before we get to verse 14, uh, starting in verse uh, 1, it says that he gathered all the people together and especially all the leaders of the tribes, all the fathers. And, and this was key because this is the Father's Day message. Joshua, first of all, spoke to the fathers. And as he gathered all the fathers of the clans and of the, the tribes, he began to tell them a story. He said, you know, your God is the God who called 
our father Abraham and brought him out of his land away from uh, a lost existence where he was serving gods who didn't care about him that were not even in existence and he called him into a living relationship with the true God and he brought him into the new land and then he he walked with Isaac and he walked with Jacob and then he walked uh, with Joseph and he brought Joseph through great tribulation which turned into great uh, uh, salvation uh, out of the famine as he raised Joseph up and then he talked about how God saw the people as they uh, became slaves in Egypt and yet God brought them out of Egypt and that God brought them through the Red Sea and he, he slaughtered Pharaoh's army that came after them. How God then walked through the desert with them that when there was no water, God brought the rock that out of the rock flowed the water that saved them. And not only that, every morning he brought manna, he brought quail, he walked with them. Every enemy they faced, God brought these slaves who were not trained in warfare to through the, the greatest armies of their day. And yet God brought them through. And he walks them through all of this. He said, then God brought you into this land. And now you are living in cities that you didn't even build. And yet God gave them to you that you now have them as your inheritance. So what Joshua did, he said, you need, here's the first step. You need to remember what God has done for you. If you're going to keep the promises of God in your life, and if the end of your life is going to matter, you need to constantly keep in your mind what God has done for you. You need to remember that God has saved you when maybe you are the one that caused your own problems. See, Joshua didn't remind them that, you know, a lot of those problems that God saved you were your own fault. And then sometimes God saved them from things that they didn't even know was coming against them. You know, God sent a donkey to, to change Balaam when, see, the children of Israel didn't even know that Balaam was on his way to curse them and to uh, allow Balak to defeat them. Sometimes God does things when we're not even aware, like we sang that song. When you don't feel it, God's working. When you don't see it, God's at work. You need to remember that. How many of us constantly have a sense of understanding and gratitude of what God has done? And it says, when we therefore remember that, he said, therefore fear the Lord. When you remember what God has done, then you fear the Lord. That fear is not to be afraid and tremble because what he's going to do for us, it is a fear of, oh my God, you are my, you are my champion. I stand in awe before you i respect and love you it is a fear of of adoration of love for a father you know what when when you were a child my grandpa i did not cross him i might have gotten uh uh you know very testy with my grandma and my mom okay probably a lot to where i got whippings and chased you know by the belt get over here but when it came to my grandpa was there nope i'm not because you know what there was a fear but I didn't, wasn't afraid of him. I loved him. But there was a fear there because I knew uh, who he was. And I think only once did I ever even get a spanking from him. God said, love the Lord your God with such a fear of reverence. 
And yet, that same grandfather, I could crawl up in his lap without fear. Because I feared, I had no fear. Is that a, a, a paradox there? Could hold me in his arms and everything was right. We need to fear the Lord. God needs to become more important than our job, than, than what uh, we can accomplish in every other area of life. Why do we love other things more than the one who we should fear? Jesus put it this way. Why are you worried about what other people think about? Or you want other people to look at you and, and how they can uh, uh, you know, flatter you when there's one that you need to be more concerned with who has your very life in his hands. So therefore, we need to fear the Lord. When we remember what God has done for us, we will fear the Lord. He's brought us this far. All of the things that have happened, many of us say, well, no, you should see what he, he put me through this hard thing. Did he bring you through it? Are you better for it? Maybe you're in the middle of the storm. You need to remember that God's carrying you. We need to fear the Lord. He is the one that is bringing the end. But not only that, he went on and said, you need to serve the Lord. You need to serve the Lord with sincerity and truth. In other words, he says, I don't want you just following rules. You're not just slaves anymore. I brought you out of slavery. I didn't bring you out of slavery that now you'll be my slave. I'm not a general who's conquered one army and just taken their slaves for mine. He says, I want you to serve me with sincerity and truth. In other words, I want you to understand that you, you following me is not just a ritual that you go through in your life, but I want your life to follow me out of your heart. As you serve the Lord, to serve the Lord, again, means to love the Lord, means to desire that God will be proud of me. You see, it's not a manual slavery to God. It is, it is a desire to serve him in such a way that he says, well done. I'm so proud of you, my child. But Joshua said, serve the Lord. You need to look, what is your life? What's the point of your life? What gives you joy and purpose? It needs to be the Lord. If it's not the Lord, you're heading to an end that you better laugh and joke and have all the fun time now because when it's all over with, you're going to wish you had served the Lord. And serving the Lord is not toil. It's not hardship because God loves us. The final thing, he says, not only that, but you need to put away the other gods. You see, if we're going to fear the Lord, if we're going to serve the Lord, we cannot have any other lords. And yet, a lot of us have other gods you know what, we, we make room for God sometimes. We can come to church once in a while when it fits our thing, our schedule. But again, it's because those other things are gods. You might say, I don't serve any other God. I don't believe in any other God. Well, you know what, your activities are your gods. Uh, those things that you find pleasure in, that is your gods. And Joshua says, you need to start to recognize that you have put other gods in your life before the Lord. And he's the one that has brought you to this point. He's the one that promises you a future. These other gods, whether it is all kinds of activities that we get involved in, you know what, uh, you can make it to the very top of whatever you're trying to do. And that will lead you nowhere. 
Because sooner or later, it's going to be gone, and it's going to leave you with nothing, and yet you've spent all that time, and you have not built up your, the relationship with God the way you know it should have been. And then you wonder where God is at that point when he says, you didn't even have time for me. We need to put away the other gods. If we're going to hold on to the promises of what God has done, we need to begin to say, I am not going to let those other things be more important to me than you, God. And we do it right in front of him. Like God can't see us. It's, it's, like, it's, some, it's like someone cheating on their spouse right in front of them. It's not even secret. And yet, what do you think the person feels? It's like, so this is how much I mean to you. And yet we do that to God every day. Do we think that he does not feel? It says that God grieves over us. God loves you so much that he grieves over you, that you love those other things. And it doesn't mean God doesn't want you to enjoy those, but he says, will you put me first and bring me into that, and then I will open up those doors that you can experience blessing and pleasure in this world. So these are the three principles. If we are going to keep hold of what God has, if we're going to inherit that that blessing to the very end, we need to fear the Lord. We need to serve the Lord, and we need to put away the gods in our life that are draining us of the blessing that God has for you. And even though you don't think it, it is draining you. You are setting yourself up for a judgment that you do not want to face. But it came after he gave them these principles, we come to verse 15. And he brings it to a close with this statement. He says, so if it, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if these three principles, if these seem such a hardship to you, if I'm just being petty, you know, like many people think, you're just being, just believe, you know, we, we believe in God and we believe in Jesus. We've asked him to forgive us, so we're covered. So if, if, if fully serving him, if fully loving him, if making sacrifices to follow him, if that is so evil to you, then you need to choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. In other words, he says, you need to make a choice. This is not just a philosophy to live by. I'm not just asking you in your mind to, to say what you believe in. But he says this, and we all know this verse at the end of verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If it's such a, a, a burden for you to truly give your whole life to God, I'm not, why do we have to go to church so much? You know, uh, I'm not going to make God my whole life. Well, there not that the whole point? If that is too hard for you, then you need to make a choice. This is what Joshua is saying. You need to choose. Choosing, first of all, is, is understanding that this is not a game. This is not something you can just give God a portion of your life. You need to choose because your life is either for God or it's not. Jesus put this way. You cannot serve God and mammon or the world. Either you'll love one and hate the other, you'll hate one and love the other. You, you need to stop playing games. This is what Joshua said. You need to stop playing games. Dad, stop playing games. Because that's what you're doing. And everyone else can tell. Your kids can tell what you really love. 
Maybe, really, you're only playing a game with yourself. Are you choosing the Lord or are you choosing the world? You cannot do both. You need to choose. And not only did he say choose, and he said, I understand. You've got to count the cost. And if it's too much of a cost, then choose the other way. That's fine. Understand what comes with it. But if that's what you choose, then make a choice and stop playing the game. Stop being a hypocrite and just make a choice. But this is what he said. But for me, and dads, this is the first thing I want to say. And it's not just for dads. It's for all of us. It starts with us. Joshua said, first of all, I'm going to tell you. I'm the head of this whole nation, and I've led all of you, but let me tell you, I've got to make my own choice first. The first thing that matters is me. The first thing for you, you need to make a choice for you. I don't care about your kids. I don't care about your spouse. I don't care about your coworkers. I don't care about anything else. First of all, God says, as for you, what are you going to do? Where is your heart going to be? Joshua said, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I've made a choice That if it means that I can't go to this game or I can't go to this concert or I can't make this money because, you know what, I feel doing that will take away from my relationship, then I'm going to choose God. When it comes to two choices, I'm going to choose God. That's what Joshua said. As for me, I don't know what I can't make the choice for anyone else, but as for me, I'm going to choose the Lord. So I'm going to tell you right now, and this is what he told all the dads and all the leaders that were standing. He says, you are witnesses to yourself, you make a choice today. So all of us today that are in this word of his, in the, in the sound of his word, we have to make a choice. You can't just pretend you didn't hear it. And a lot of people, we do. We, we just kind of put it off. Well, that is making a choice. Because when you don't make a choice, you're choosing against him. He says, as for me, I choose the Lord. Whenever there's a choice, I'm going to choose the Lord. I know that's going to be hard. And I know that's going to put people against me at times. And it's not going to be popular at times. But as for me, I can only control me. I'm going to choose the Lord. Because God has put a choice between us. And every time I choose between the two, it is determining my end. But not only did he say for me, but he said, as for me and my house. He also understood that I have to make a choice, but I need to understand that my choice, even though it is for me and I can't choose for other people, I can't even choose for my spouse, I can't choose for my kids, but I understand that my choice does affect them. And so with my choice for me, I am also going to have a heart That whatever I choose, I am going to do whatever I can to draw those around me to God. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am going to invite my household to serve the Lord. I am going to lead them to the Lord. Now, it may be like a horse. I can lead them to water. I can't make them drink. But with all my heart, I will lead them there. And I'm, I'm not trying to put any condemnation because you cannot cause your house to serve them but you can lead them there you can be the reason why they don't serve the lord i'll tell you that much and so joshua said as far as me i will 
take on the responsibility to, with love and compassion, woo them to the Lord. Because I realize that the Lord is a greater treasure than the world. And yet many times, I'm going to tell you without thinking that you are leading your family away from God because of all the other pleasures you're choosing to put ahead of them. Will we choose to be an influence on those around? Now, when he said, my house, he was not talking about just his wife and children. Now, it included them. But when that, you talk about in these days, remember, their house was their tribe. Okay, there was the 12 tribes of Israel, and, and there was the head of each tribe, which they were over that house. So when he said, it's me and my house, it wasn't just my immediate family, it included them. But he said, even others outside in my tribe, my neighbors, those around me that I have influenced, God, give me the power to influence them to speak God into their life. As for me and those that I have influence in, I'm going to reflect the Lord. Are we willing to do that? First of all, are we willing to make the choice for ourselves? But then are we willing to let our choice be a public display of who God is? And until we do that, I don't know if we've really made the choice for ourselves. You know, it really goes outside of your home. It starts in your home. But when you think of your house, it, it, it goes to the house of the Lord. This is our tribe, people. This is our tribe. Now, yes, there's the, the greater church is around the whole world. But within that church, this is our tribe. This is where God has called us. And so can we say as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord? That means all of us. My heart goes out to you because I want you to serve the Lord. I want to say before God, yes, as for me, but as for me and my house, I want to lead them to the Lord. Are we having that care for one another? Do we care for our brothers and sisters in the Lord? Not that we judge them on how well they're doing, but just bringing them to the Lord, being there for them, being part of this journey together because we're one house. And then even beyond that, our neighbors, our co-workers, you know what, God has put you there. That's your house. When you go to work every day, that's your house. Now, I know you can't make every co-worker love the Lord, but are you making the Lord look good to them? Are you enticing them that, that, that whatever I can do, maybe I can just draw you to the one who redeemed my soul? And I'm not, you know, you, I understand that you can't just go around preaching, but I'm talking about with every ability you can, can you live out the love of the Lord? So Joshua says, as for me and my house, those that you've put around me, God, let my decision impact them. Because I'm telling you, your decision against them is impacting them. And to stand before God and say, you know what, instead of drawing them me, drawing them closer to God, you were, became a stumbling block. Because you had other things that you had for them. And you gave them a value that other things were more valuable because they saw what you valued. I don't want that to happen when I stand before God. Let's be like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he goes on in verse 16. I love this. So the people 
The people answered, and I'm sure if I asked that question, all of you here would say the same thing. So, of course, they said, far be it from us that we would serve other, the, uh, forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Yes, we will, Joshua. No problem. And I'm going to tell you, every Sunday morning, that's the response of everyone that I look in their face. I never get anyone that looks at me and says, no, pastor, I'm not going to serve the Lord. I, I'm just happy with the world. I'd respect that. That's fine. I'd weep over it. But, but no, we get the response that they made. Joshua turns and said, yeah, right. You know what? I know you say that. But there's more than, remember, this choice is not just a quick, easy response. So he goes on in verse 20, he says, but you need to understand, that's fine if that's your choice, but if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you've chosen the Lord for yourself to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. So Joshua said, now therefore then, then put away the foreign gods which are among you. Notice this, they were already among you. Then you need to put them away and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. So he closes with this. You need to choose. But when they chose, they said, yes, Joshua, we'll do it. He reminded them. Okay, this choice is not a game. I'm not playing, you need to stop playing games because I know you've made this choice many times in the past. Many times we've said, I'm gonna serve the Lord with all our heart. It's never happened. God said, let's make it happen now. It's not playing, let's stop playing this game. Remember, this is the end. No more games. Not only is this not a game, but you need to understand that if this is your choice, then you need to take action. Stop telling me that you're going to choose it and start putting away those other gods. He said, then if that's your choice, then put away the other gods because they're still there. You keep saying you're going to serve God, but these other gods are still there. They might be hidden and you put them in a, in a way that looks good, but he says it demands action. If we're going to make this choice, are we willing to take the action that needs to be taken? That means to be honest with yourself and look at your life and say, where are there gods in my life? Maybe it's a prayer, God, show me what other gods are in my life and help me to put them away. And sometimes that's painful because you have to cut it out because those gods have become part of our heart. They've become loves of your life. And yet if God is going to be the purpose of your life, you've got to cut those out. And I'm going to tell you, it may hurt at first, but once God heals that and brings the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord will be a greater strength in your life than you ever accomplished in the world. So today, can we be like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I may not be perfect, but my heart, I'm going to, I am going to pursue it. I'm going to take action. I'm going to cut these other gods out of my life. I'm going to recognize them. I'm going to identify them. And I am going to change. 
may mean change schedule, change how I spend my money, change how I spend my entertainment, change how I spend my thoughts, but I'm going to fear the Lord, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to put other things aside. And when we do that, it says that God will lead us into blessing. You will keep the good things that God has laid up for you. And God's promises will not let you down. Let's pray.